Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again with Adam Chemaluski. Uh Chema, how you doing today, man? Feeling great, man. It's like a brand new day over here in Southern California. Can't wait to get into the episode and stuff, but man, it's just been a... I, it's been a lot of optimism the last, um, what is it, 36 hours? <laughs> maybe speaking, something yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> something like that. So, uh, yeah, dude, I'm not going to lie. Um, I've just been busy with work and everything, but uh, I'm feeling really good right now, so I'm ready to jump on in. Absolutely. We are going to be talking, I, I, and I agree with that, by the way, I totally agree, uh, but we're going to be talking about the, um, the inauguration of Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, our 46th president. And uh, we're just going to be quickly looking, looking uh, potentially at what's going to be lying ahead for his administration, and we're going to be doing some uh, talking about Trump a little bit, uh, some reflections on Donald Donald J. Trump, uh, former <laughs> President John, Donald J. Donald Donald J. Trump, which always sounds nice to say. Um, but you know what? Just real quickly, I didn't have a chance to add this to the outline because it came so fast and furious, and we we're talking about it uh, a lot offline, uh, off air, if you will. Uh, Chema, just real quickly, what are your, like your top two favorite Bernie memes? Okay, the top two favorite Bernie memes that I've seen so far. One of them is definitely like here's one for the fans out there. There's this punk band called Minor Threat. They're like kind of known for being like a straight edge punk band, like not doing any drugs or anything like that. Um, I believe they were a part of the DC hardcore circuit. I well, I could be wrong on that, but they are definitely like a like kind of legendary hardcore band. And um, there's this photo of them sitting on a porch, and somebody superimposed Bernie on the porch just next to them. It looks completely normal. Like he was there the whole time. I absolutely love it. And then um, the second one is another one that I mentioned to you, which is um, there's this picture from the grateful dead in their younger days. Like this is when Jerry Garcia had like actually had a black beard and he looked really young and stuff. Not the old image of Jerry Garcia that Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are familiar with. And Bernie's just hanging out with the Grateful Dead, and it, it looks like it belongs, man. It just looks there's something about that image that just looks so right to me. I'm looking at the minor threat one right now, and I, I, I didn't realize that I'd seen this one earlier, but it, it's it's fantastic how well he fits into this picture. It's unbelievable. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's so crazy. Like it just looks like he belongs there the whole time. They are part of the DC hardcore thing. Okay, thank God. I yeah. I shouldn't been more confident on that one but uh yeah it's nuts how like he just looks like he belongs with these bands and stuff like that and being that a lot of musicians are for him and they do benefits for him and stuff it it looks like something that just belongs absolutely um i gotta go with i gotta go with one of my favorite bernie being superimposed into one of my favorite movies of all time and it's again one of those things that looks it looks so good that if you weren't aware of the movie, like if you're a younger person that's never heard of this movie before, you would think it belongs. And it's Bernie in place of Beetlejuice in the waiting room, um, <laughs> between between the head shrinker and the head hunter, and the or and the like the I guess like the English hunter who had his mm-hmm. head shrunk. And yep. it's just Bernie sitting there, and like it looks so good that it it like it looks it has no right to look as good as it does, basically. <laughs> okay. I personally have not seen that, but I don't even have to see that picture to know exactly what that looks like, dude. Yep. And that that is spot on. That is really, really good. I I love Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is an early early favorite of mine, and still a uh, still on my all time favorite list. I love that movie, and um, that's perfect. 
great use of the burn meme. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how good it looks. And then uh, one of my all time like one of I, I think a classic one um, is is Bernie. And by classic, obviously it's it's new, but like it just it fits in so well with this classic poster and picture we've all seen of the uh, steel workers working on the as of yet constructed um, Empire State Building, and they're all sitting uh-huh. there eating their lunch on the on the beam way way above New York City, and Bernie's at the far end. It's perfect. <laughs> I know if I know which which famous image you're talking about, and man, that's another really good use of it too, dude. <laughs> like. The, the thought of that brought legitimate laughter out of me. Like that is just how great I, how much I'm loving this Bernie, um, Bernie meme. Yep. It's fantastic. That and there's, I mean, there's a ton of other favorites. I do love, it doesn't look as good, but I love the Statler and Waldorf one. Um, okay. Where he's, he's replacing, I guess it's, yeah, it's Statler um, up in the balcony. There's a couple other ones. Um, oh gosh. The, the one where uh, the fly on Pence's head is Bernie. I mean, it's the yeah. gift that keeps on giving. Right, of course, of course, and believe me, the fly—that is like two memes for the price of one, right there. Because I love the fly on Pence's head yep. memes. Those were, that was just a treat for me when that VP debate was going on. Yep, absolutely. But anyway, let's let's not talk too much about memes because that that could become the whole episode. Um, <laughs> let's let's instead talk. Uh, we're going to talk about the inauguration. Uh, I'm going to kind of begin here though with the. The stark difference between a two week, you know, the stark difference between two dates, two weeks apart. Um, January 6th, of course, the uh, attempted insurrection of our government on uh, on behalf of Donald Trump by his deranged lunatic supporters and QAnon um, versus January 20th, uh, obviously Joe Biden's inauguration. Uh, so, Chum, if you could, like in one sentence, sum up the, the difference between what DC looked like on the 6th and what it looked like on the 20th. Okay. So between January 6, 2021 and January 20th, 2021, we went from a third world sub-Saharan African dictatorship country back to something resembling the United States of America. <laughs> and and dude like like I said in that five um good minutes episode that we that from the episode we did two um yeah. two weeks ago like you're you're 100 percent right with what you followed up with what i said when like yes i have seen these images before in like these crazy third world kind of dictator run countries and everything like that and the first thing that came to my mind was like the lord of war with nicholas cage and he goes to that african country that's like a false country they made up for the yeah movie. it's not a real country yeah and and he goes to like the you know the downtown area and it's like government buildings from like the 70s and stuff that you know they all look like worn down and there's these guys and like kids with guns like standing outside of them and stuff and like i've seen i've been seeing those images like most of my life and everything but like, dude, the, the whole thing of, like, those people and the Capitol building, like, the dome of the Capitol and that, you know, landscape of this government building that we've basically seen in just pristine condition for most of our lives, you know? I mean, I, I can't remember any, like, I, I can't, I'm sure something has happened there. I believe it was, wasn't it bombed, like, not the, in our lifetime or something like that or in the no. 70s? No. Okay, never mind then. Totally. I was, sorry, I was thinking of the World Trade Center Um pre 9-11 World Trade Center attack. So pretty much for the most part, I've seen just that that building being untouched or just being reporters or protests or something like that. But I've never actually seen people scaling the building, 
taking down the American flag, putting up the Trump flag, breaking the windows of the Capitol. Like I've never seen that. It looked completely just icky and disgusting. And believe me, I can use a lot more descriptive adjectives on that, but uh, it was horrible, man. And what we saw yesterday or yeah, yesterday on Wednesday for the inauguration was, you know, like it wasn't crammed full of people and stuff. It wasn't like the traditional imagery that we're used to, but they did a really great job with the flower arrangement on the mall and like it was calm. It wasn't hostile in any way. It, like it just it was a completely different thing, dude. It's like a whole different universe than what it was on January 6th. You are. Yeah, it, that's that's sort of the it, it it almost doesn't look like it's it's almost like they did the, the Biden inauguration someplace else entirely. Um, it, 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 you know, just didn't like it just doesn't look the same. And obviously it's. It wouldn't have looked the same anyway because of the pandemic. Um, there would have been a significantly limited crowd, um, even if there wasn't like a security issues uh, abound. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it just it's like it's like just two different. It's two different, and in a very literal sense of the word, it's two different worlds. Um, right. We're we're infiltrate. We're on. We're in DC on these two different dates. Um, but uh, yeah, like and just sort of to continue with a couple of your thoughts there. This is this is the kind of shit the shit you see on January sixth is like that's like a pretty good signal of a failed state um, mm-hmm. when its citizens are overrunning government buildings and trying to trying to hang and kill and assassinate the the lawmakers that's a good sign that your state has failed um, you know what I last time I checked the United States has not failed and it's just stuff that you like literally gentlemen the last time the Capitol saw this was eighteen fourteen. Really? What's a, what was the event that um, the sparked it in 18... Okay, gotcha. Okay, got Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, when yeah, you're they right. burned Washington around. <laughs> yeah, that would have been around the time they burned D.C. That's right. Okay, yeah. Got, yes, yes, yes. So we had, we had a good 207-year streak going uh, before before Trump uh, directed his goons to, uh, to go do... I'm not really sure... I'm not really sure what they thought they were going to accomplish. I really don't. Um, even if... Let's just pretend they killed a lawmaker. So what? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't stop what's already in motion, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't know what they were actually trying to do, and I, I guess if you're trying to talk about like delaying or something, I mean, all they could really do is just delay the inevitable, right. and that really looks like the delaying of the inevitable. Like, I guess there are certain ways that you know. I myself may be delaying the inevitable with certain things that I'm just not ready to accept, maybe just in stupid things when it comes to life or finances or whatever it is. Um, it's a world of difference, though, with like me not, accept, you know, me not accepting the fact that I'm not a 17 year old party animal anymore. Like is a world of difference than going to a government building. And once you're in there, like I, I mean, I the possibilities are endless and the, we, owe. I mean, just, there's a lot of people that owe security teams a hell of a lot of gratitude because if these people were even exposed and not hiding behind locked doors, it could have become one of these situations where, Hey, we really didn't know what was going on. And then, Hey, somebody started shooting. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, all these people are dead. And, um, thank God that that did not happen. And it just, it just shows how, how much of a goddamn mess this whole thing is. Yeah, yeah, the 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 rioters are extremely lucky that they're not in a failed state because they would have been killed. Every single one of them that broke through would have been shot and killed. 
There would have oh, been, yeah. If this was this was some fucking failed Russian satellite nation, there would have been 200 dead bodies, and it, it wouldn't have been the lawmakers. Oh, right, of course. Like, when you see this stuff in the movies and everything, like, they're not putting those people in jail. They're not getting, like, a trial. Like, they're being marched into the town square and being executed while they sell concessions to the people. Like, it's a... Um, it would have been a spectacle in like a third world dictatorship country. And we should, I guess, like be very, very thankful, like as Americans, that we do have these strong institutions that are, even though we may not think about it at times, but I guess they are really and truly bigger than you and I. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chema, I would sum this up. I would sum January 6th up versus January 20th up thusly. The adults came home, broke up the kids' party, and now everyone is grounded. <laughs> and, like, yeah, I am being funny about it, but, like, literally, the adults are back in charge of our country again. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a perfect analogy. I know exactly what that feels like. I've been to plenty of parties that have been broken up by parents and stuff. Yep. So, like, um, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And for the last four years, this... Um, you know, these people who really, you know, a lot of them had never even been in government. They were just, you know, plucked from the CEO positions of their Fortune 500 companies. And they, you know, they and they were basically put in, in tasks to run a government. And like, God only knows, I didn't vote for the person there, but a, a lot of people did. And unfortunately, in 2016, the Democrats lost. And they just basically put a whole bunch of people in there that, I, I don't know if it's they saw the country as a as a piggy bank, if they legitimately didn't care, if there was a whole scam. It could be a multitude of a variety of different conspiracy oriented thoughts, but you're right, man. Like these um we let just immature people who really didn't know what they're doing run the most powerful country in the world and um it it shows. You know what I'm saying? And the the adults finally came home and you know, I, I don't know, like, we'll get into some thoughts about the future, but uh, I'll tell you, man, like, it, it, this is kind of one of these times where, like, it kind of feels good that the party was broken up by the parents instead of, like, you now sitting there shitting your pants because you don't know if the cops are going to be called on you. So I'm kind of happy the parents came home this time. Yeah, this was this is one of those things, like, we're maybe we're invited to the party and, like, the next step, like, hey, we're going to set someone on fire and throw them off the roof. And it's like... No, no, we shouldn't do that because you're gonna. The person's gonna die if you set them on right. fire and throw them off the roof, and like it keeps edging that way until like until the adults or the cops come or whatever, um, and you kind of breathe a big sigh of relief. Um, except that we, I mean, we got very close. We got very close to that person being tossed off the roof while they're on fire. Um, right. But this is like, I don't really, you know, I don't really care about the about like where these people come from leadership wise. Um, there have been plenty of business people have been appointed to positions in governments before Republican democratic governments. That doesn't really bother me. What, what bothers me is that Trump, I mean, obviously this was his plan all along. Trump picked people that are going to embellish the ego, his big childish ego. They're going to embellish it at every fucking turn, no matter what. And because they enabled him so much, there was no, there was no stopping him. There was no brakes on on the. There was no brakes on the train, basically, and mm -hmm. because of that, because of four years of this, of this not even having, not even having the, the uh, uh, an ounce of spine to stand up to him, um, you enabled all of this stuff. You enabled, you enabled all of the 
all of the right wing kooks to come out of the woodwork. You enabled QAnon to become what it was, uh, what it is, or I don't know. We'll get probably get into that at some point. Um, you you enabled one of the dumbest and most dangerous, and uh, and I think this is really the big key: the most immature events in American history. The the insurrection attempt was the most childish thing I think I've ever seen by a bunch of people. You you literally could not handle the results of a fucking election. You could not handle the fact that more people in the country said no to you. And your immediate response was to fucking cry hissy fit, look to the internet for your conspiracy god to tell you to go storm... Like, that's immature. You're an immature mm-hmm. little fucking child. These, these people, they fashion themselves as patriots, right? right. And that's bullshit. You, you're not patriots standing up to the British. You're fucking infantile little rubes lashing out at a system that you can't be bothered to actually understand. If you had any, if they had any inkling about how the government worked, they wouldn't have been storming the Capitol building, but that's too much for them to do. It's much easier just to be a little pissy fit, have a little fucking hissy fit and piss your pants about it. Oh God, man. Believe me, if there was lubricant in this room, that just sounded so absolutely beautiful to me. And you're hitting on so many, so many, so many true things here. And I'll start with the enablers and stuff. And I know we're going to have a discussion a little bit here about enabling. And yeah, you're so right, man. And this falls on everybody. And like, this isn't just like the Pompeos of the world. And dude, I understand what you're saying about the people from business coming into government. It, that is as old as as old as government has been government. And um, and like, I will say that like he definitely picked like even just like the wrong people even for for the job there for sure. Well, he picked he but, picked the right people for the job that he wanted. That he wanted. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes, the job he wanted not necessarily the job for the American people, you know, he got what he wanted out of it. Yes. And like what's what it extends this enabling even farther and even a little bit, what I think is pretty awful too, is you had guys like John Kelly, this like general and stuff. You had these people that at one point in time were like, um, you know, not it's not like Lindsey Graham and stuff like that. You had actual like hard earned like like a generals and other like political figures that they just basically did the same, you know, or they instead of like standing up to him, they just resigned from their post, you know, like, hey, it's just going to be easier for me if I resign. Lord knows I don't want to stand up to this guy. And like these people are they're all just all a part of it, dude. They're, so, they're all responsible. There's so much of it. And like I'm telling you, if if it was I even think that, and maybe this is where I'm going to sound a little bit childish here, but like, I even think that if this was George W. Bush, there would not be this kind of enabling going on. This isn't a, like, it wasn't a Republican party, like, um, trait prior to Donald Trump. This is a 100% Donald Trump thing. And this, um, with all of this being out of the office now, I think is like, it's just, once again, it's the adults are coming home. Finally, somebody who, cares about the job, going to put the the right people for the country in these positions and stuff. We're going to have that again, which is, which you're entirely, which I could not agree more on the enabling part. Okay. So going back to now these patriots and everything like that, which is just an outright bastardization and butchering of that word. Like these, you put it so right with infantile rubes, all that kind of stuff. 
I unfortunately right now cannot think of any more kind of insulting terms off the top of my head. And I just don't want it to become one of these rants where I'm just saying more creative insults um, in a row and stuff. But it's disgusting. Their version of patriotism, it's definitely not what it is. Like, you're right. They're not standing up against the British. They're going against their own country and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is Americans going after other Americans. There's nothing patriotic about this whatsoever. And they don't have any ground to stand on. Okay, there's not like there's any courts in America that are entertaining the cases of these election frauds, you know, and even if they are. These cases are on the verge of being thrown out. The administration with their all-powerful you know, attorney man, Rudy Giuliani, went one for, I think, 64 in this entire thing. It's such a slim argument. It's such a little mini hill. To, it's not even a hill to stand on. It's nothing to stand on. It's all lies and that's the thing here. They And the crazy thing is, is that these people believe that they are right. And one of the most like American things as America could be America is the election and people win and people lose. And if there's anybody whose fault it is, it rests on the fault of Donald Trump. And God only knows there's all the reasons in the world for that. But yeah, this is all his fault. He enabled these patriots. He put all these idiot people around him. This is all him. And hopefully uh, hopefully we're on a we're on a path to where we can kind of recover from some of this stuff. I, I I think I think we are, but you know it, it's also still too early um, to to really like make any kind of determination on that. So right, and like dude, we're at this point where I I know we're only like thirty six hours into it, and it to a certain degree, I will say it feels like um like a weight has been lifted. Like I, I just noticed that maybe just even in the last little bit of time, I just kind of noticed that maybe certain things I used to care about don't bother me anymore. I'm not checking Twitter as often, which is, which is some good progress for only 36 hours. Believe me. And these are things I've specifically noticed because I was wondering about them um, leading up to this whole thing, if I was still going to be doing this or not. And, um, but I do agree with you where, um, it's, we just got, it's so early. We have a long way to go. I, I shouldn't be saying Super Bowl Browns, you know, but I, but I just kind of want to right now. And I, I think that in time, um, this little kind of optimistic high is going to wear off. I'm going to sink a little bit back into reality, but I just kind of want to enjoy the ride for another couple of days. I agree with you there, man. I agree with you there. So what do you think the main deterrent it has been for no further violence, uh, so far at least, uh, in DC. Um, you know, since since January sixth to this point in time, now January twenty first, no no major incidents. People have been arrested and stuff, but no major incidents since then. Okay, dude, I'm I'm going right there, and I'm not saying that our all the troops and everything they're believe me, they play a whole role into this. And thank them, thank you guys very much for protecting our nation's capital. But I do believe that the main thing is that we just are not hearing from Donald Trump right now. Like the whole and I'm not saying that Twitter is a hero or anything, because I agree with them. The message you send me like they deserve like really they should have done this a long, long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. But not having, you know, at real Donald Trump sad, blah, 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 all those like stupid kind of, you know, phrases and things that he uses, not having that 
all the goddamn time. Not at, like, can you imagine like if he still had Twitter, every line that Biden would have said during his inauguration would have been like weak liar, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And it would have just been more gas and more um, gasoline thrown on these fires of hate and violence and misinformation and just taking it all and stirring it up into a pot. Like, I, I believe that if he was still able to communicate on social media, um, I, I don't know if I can't remember if Facebook only banned him through the inauguration. If he's back on Facebook, I, I, I'm not entirely positive of the specifics of that. But the fact that he just didn't have the opportunity to throw out more disinformation, it really trickled down into um, into the Internet. And I'm not saying that the misinformation has stopped. It's definitely not stopped. But I just noticed that it was a little bit less like heated or something. Maybe the it just seemed like a little less tense without having his voice echoing these lies that are then being absorbed by all these other mini echo chambers and all that stuff. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think that's a, I think that's a really big component of of what's going on that they're just they're the, the instigator in chief isn't there to stir shit up. So as and as we saw like through some like the um, some of the videos some of the extended videos that have been coming out um, since uh, since the storming of the Capitol, um, like guys were directly saying Trump told us to do this. So right. just not having him there is sort of leaving at least um, a significant portion, a significant percentage of his potential fo- you know potential uh, his followers that would potentially act. Are, right. are sort of without direction. So I think that's a really good right. point. And do you remember how we were talking um, during the election kind of extravaganza episode about um, QAnon and like the, um, Jesus Christ, I totally forgot I was going to go with this here because I was trying not to say extravaganza without fumbling. But um, we were we were basically talking during this whole time about, um, oh, Jesus, what was it? It was, um, Fuck, I totally had this. I had a really good point to follow up with you on that, and it just completely slipped my mind. It was something along the lines of like this: um, the master, you know, kind of in the, the echoing everything. I was there was something a little bit more that I had to follow up with that I just totally flew my mind right now. Chelmy, you gotta stop smoking so much weed, man. Dude, I don't even like. I don't even do it before the the podcast anymore. <laughs> like, I, because I've been trying to like be more, be more focused and everything. And um, maybe you gotta start smoking more weed, man. That's probably what I got to do. Yeah, I probably need, probably need to start doing it. But like, yeah, I mean, for the during the election extravaganza, we there's one thing we specifically touched on, which um, which was relevant to this whole thing that I was going to follow up with that I just cannot get back right now for some goddamn reason. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this but, up right now. Just um, just just to quickly. It must. It, it couldn't have been a question because there's no like real question, specifically that would kind of push you to that direction. But whatever. If you think about it, come back to it. Not a big deal. Yeah, I definitely will, and I'm I'm very sorry about that. But it was it was kind of on point. I thought we we needed to uh, to get in there and stuff. And for some reason, like I'm looking at my outline and even the notes that I made, I just cannot connect what I wrote to like what I was going to say. <laughs> All right, don't worry. But if you if you think about it, no big deal. Come back to it. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think that's a really good part. Like the fact that Trump has lost all of his various megaphones, um, but obviously Twitter being his favorite one, um, that's like a huge issue, huge part. As you mentioned, like the D- the yep. twenty five thousand soldiers being in D.C. and a ton of fencing being put up everywhere, also another pretty good deterrent. 
Um, but I think Definitely. I think one of the I think one of the really big ones uh, that is that's that's very underrated here is that it, this is twofold here. The FBI or two pronged, whatever. The FBI is aggressively searching for these people that were at the Capitol, mm-hmm. aggressively trying to find them, and they're finding a lot of them. And yep. and add to it. A lot of these fucking ding-dongs decided to go ahead and record themselves breaking things, beating up people, and generally trespassing, um, and committing theft, uh, which is another, like, like the evidence is there. They provided it, um, <laughs> right. which is insane. And so, like, the fact that, like, the heads are sort of, quote-unquote, beginning to roll is, like, a really big deterrent. Like, oh, sh-, like, because there are clearly people that thought that they were going to get away with this. Yeah. With, with no repercussions. So... That's a huge deterrent, and guess who's not president anymore, and can't hand out pardons anymore? Donald J. Trump. So yep, there's that is right. There's there's like a bunch of reasons why doing it, trying to do anything in D.C. or really probably any piece of federal or even like a, a like a state government uh, property probably not your best idea right now because there is mm-hmm. they are going to have no mercy on you. Right. And I hope to God that the FBI just continues this and they get as many of these people, every single one of them, if they possibly can. And how dumb do you have to be to like tape in yourself? I mean, you got to real you like I know that in their mind, they're probably like, we're going to stop the election. Mike Pence is going to step up and Donald Trump is going to be like, he's going to pardon us all. That's what's going to happen. And we're patriots. And oh my God, America. But that's not what happened. And how dumb are you for fucking um, videotaping yourself and everything? Like that is just, my God, like the minute, like I just don't even know like what is going through somebody's mind at that point in time. Like I just, that is just a, a level of thought that I will never, ever, ever be able to completely comprehend or comprehend on any level because it just makes no sense to me, dude. No sense whatsoever. And I hope to God that the FBI is looking at every single video over and over again, facial recognition software. And if there's ever a point in time where Facebook has violated my privacy to make a facial recognition software, this is the one time where I'm like, all right, guys, you could. This is what it led to. Catch these fucking people and um, let's do this. Put, put them in court. Made ex- bring all the TV cameras there. Broadcast this on every channel. I want even HBO to carry it live, so the entire American population can see what is going to happen when you actually do this stuff. And and let your conspiracy riddled minds um, have a little dose of reality and stuff like that, because those people who thought that they were going to be getting off scot-free are going to spend a lot of time in federal penitentiaries. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Speaking of those people, definitely. which, uh, which MAGA rioter are you most looking forward to seeing in prison, Chema? Oh, God. Okay, so his name, which I can't fucking stand that him and I had the same first name, is Adam Christian Johnson of Parrish, Florida, of fucking course. The 36-year-old asshole who, he's the podium guy. He took the podium and was walking around with the long hair and the stupid ginger smiley face and everything like that that you just want to take two boxing gloves to right one (laughs) after the other. I mean, he should be in jail just for being a ginger. How dare he? Yeah, he has no soul. So, yep. I mean, like, what literal worth do you have if you have no soul? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this – yeah, I mean, believe me, like, as if – there's just something about, like, the image of, like, a red-haired dude doing that 
that just kind of infuriates me a little bit more. It would it pisses me off no matter what, and I'm completely disgusted. But the fact that it's this merry little like gingerly guy and stuff that you probably like see outside of a fish concert and stuff like that, trying to like sell you fake ecstasy and stuff. Like it just really gets me that this guy carrying the podium and that look on his face with that, that stupid fucking, I think it was like a Trump kind of beanie winter yeah. hat, you yep. know, with a little tassel on the top mm-hmm. and everything. Oh God. Like, man, I just, I hope that, the the prison system swallows that guy whole and stuff. That's that's all I'm waiting for. His now. his lawyer um, at a at a press conference. He's from like Tampa or the Tampa area, and his lawyer at a press conference was talking to the you know talking to the uh, media, and someone asked him about like the you know like well what about the picture and he goes well obviously that's not good and I'm not a magician here. So he says, that's a big problem for our defense. And I'm like, and I'm like, man, boy, could you imagine being this guy standing there and like your lawyer's like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what the fuck to do about that. Um, (laughs) I'm just like, I literally can't do anything about that. So we're going to try for some other defense where my client isn't going to be in prison for 10 years, maybe just four. Right. He's. Can you imagine, like, even being that guy and being in that position and stuff? Like, you know, like how certain lawyers will take on cases, like whenever, um, you know, whenever there's like a kidnapping or something, and the big, like the Georgina de Jesus, um, and thing from Cleveland and everything yeah. like that, Amanda Berry and stuff, like, whenever there's an event like that, um, you know, lawyers like rush to these people appropriately. So, you know, to give them free defense and everything, mainly because they want the, the name recognition. And I'm not going to lie. These people deserve a free lawyer. Right. But, um, like this guy, like, you know, people who do that for the Amanda Berries and Georgina Jesus, there's always Gina, whatever happened, Gina de Jesus. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Um, she, like the, um, the attorneys, you know, they always get some kind of recognition. In some cases, they maybe go on to become these sort of like folk heroes in their yeah, own sure. way. This guy, this is just not going to be good. Like, there's this no is a way public he's defender. Be... <laughs> this is a public defender <laughs> who had to take him. Oh, oh, he's a PD. Oh, I no, I don't know that for okay. sure. I'm just making an assumption that he's a public defender who had yeah. to take this guy. Well, if that's a public defender, that might actually do something good for this guy's career. He's just like, man, this guy really like he had nothing, you know, and he couldn't do anything. He's working for the state. But if you're like a, if that's like Adam Chemielewski Esquire, like with my own offices and stuff mm-hmm. that I, I'm not getting business out of that, dude. Like <laughs> right. I might as well just try to join another firm because it's just not going to go good for me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, man, that guy. Yeah, he's in trouble. Um, Don't, don't, don't. I mean, literally, like, you can tell by all these pictures of these people that, like, they really felt like nothing was going to happen. Right. They, they thought that they were going to be absolved and everything because they're patriots fighting for their country. Like, why would their country ever send patriots to jail? Like, patriots can do no wrong. And then, yes, they're going to be thrown away as they appropriately should be. Yeah. Um, Chema, I'm going with I'm going with Jenna Ryan, uh, a realtor from the Dallas area. Um, mm-hmm. She... She is, uh, she's in a pic. She's in a picture standing next to one of the broken windows that like someone used like the police shield to break open. And okay. she posted, I can't remember the exact, um, quote that she posted on Twitter with that picture. Um, but basically it was like, we we're here. And if you guys don't stop the lying, if the media doesn't stop the lying, we're coming to your house next. Um, so it was like a little, like a double threat. Um, but she is so unrepentant about this. 
that it's it's almost unbelievable. It's unbelievable that she's not like already in jail, um, like because she like admits to it. She has like she has not taken down any of her social media um, regarding uh, regarding her piece of the break in. But like this is where it gets so ridiculous. Do you want to know why she went to Washington D.C.? Why is that? Because a very cute guy invited her to join him on a private jet. Oh God! Oh God! Um, very Jesus cute guy Christ. that she that she finds adorable. Um, and then he she was upset that like by the time they got to DC that he met someone else there or he was meeting someone else there and like they were clearly together. So she was really she was really upset about that. Um, so yeah, she said, you know what? Why not go break into the Capitol? It means I can get in a private jet with a cute guy. And she's she's one of the ones who is um she's one of the ones who is like on the news unrepentant going well yeah we all deserve a pardon um i'm facing a prison sentence so of course i deserve a pardon there's no other like there's no other like reason for her wanting a pardon other because she doesn't think, think that she's right she just knows that she'll go to jail unbelievable dude like the cluelessness of some of these fucking people and everything like that and like i can't stand like oh god i was just going there to meet a cute guy storm the capital for that's so stupid like what kind of like just even listen to the words that come out of your mouth like when you say that that's just it's it's just bullshit dude it's completely ridiculous and like if she's there like i don't care if it's somebody that is just like I don't even care if they, if she didn't even break anything, any of these people, like if you're there inside the building wearing your Trump gear with all this stuff, like you're a part of this. Like, I don't care. Like you are an insurrectionist and yeah, while you may not have vandalized offices or whatever, but like it's, um, yeah, you should be prosecuted as well too. And like even be made more of an example of at the very least, everyone who listens to this should go to Jenna Ryan uh, Realty, and go ahead and leave her a one-star Yelp review. Oh, that's actually a good idea. Yeah, everybody go out there and do that. And believe me, like I don't necessarily condone uh, cancel culture and stuff like this all the time, but considering there's an insurrection that's never happened in my lifetime and probably and should never, ever happen again, yeah, sabotage the shit out of these people's <laughs> career. If they, own, if they own food trucks, one-star reviews. If they own apartment buildings, take pisses on them whatever you need to do whatever you need to do be creative but don't actually physically hurt somebody and like don't graffiti anything just make sure it's easy to clean off you know throwing a taking a dump into a bag and throwing it on a door will wash off it's and that's a classic it's a classic yeah you can't go wrong with a classic for sure (laughs) so i did i remembered what i was going to say and i I remembered almost instantaneously as soon as you started started talking again go figure and what i wanted to say about trump being um trump not being there anymore we were talking in the election election extravaganza episode about like QAnon kind of always being able to be on offense you know what i'm saying they don't really have to play defense at any Mm, point mm -hmm. in time and this right here is the united states going or this is basically them having the chance to play offense with absolutely no it's an open goal you know what i'm saying just get the puck and just start firing it into that net as many many times as you can and if there's any point in time to hammer this message into the skulls of the american people now is the time because they they can play defense and everything but these little edited videos that they release where he just looks all the it's not the same it's not the same as him being on twitter it's it's just not the same and like he may make a video that may become like millions and millions of views in, in an hour or whatever. But, um, 
it's still not going to be effective as the Twitter machine. I just like, there's just something about it that I, that's, that's what I want to believe anyway. And if whoever is out there, just keep hammering your message about insurrections, all the media, just keep hammering this into the people that this is what happened and do not give them any opportunity to, to, to play defense or to go on offense again. Yeah. Well there, that's the, I, I'm not going to get too far and I don't want to drag this point out anymore. Um, the, the QAnon, um, the QAnon world, the QAnonosphere, if you will, online is rapidly melting. Um, because a lot of people, surprisingly, a lot of people have woken up to the fact that they were just completely sold a bill of goods. Yeah, of course. And you remember how we were talking about the, uh, certain people in our lives and kind of them not caring about this in four Mm -hmm. years. It just... It, just, you're, it reinforces the point that you, that you were making and stuff like that. Where like, yeah, maybe these people are, you know, no longer taking this drug and they're coming down from this high and everything. And the hangover sucks, but at the way least, there's less disinformation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about Trump here and sort of, uh, I guess, I guess his legacy, the administration's legacy, um, however you want to however you want to put it. Um, what do you think years from now? You know, it could be just four or five years from now um, when we get, when we do get more, you know, we're going to get more facts and more clarity about like some of the things that went on in the Trump white house. What do you think is going to be like the legacy of, of, of his particular administration? It's going to look like a joke, dude. It's going to look like a, a, why the hell did we do that kind of thing? It's going to look like some kind of experiment that the country tried that just went horribly wrong of hiring a businessman to like run America and stuff or this, this particular businessman and everything. And I remember when we were talking about the 2060 episode and we were talking about like the coronavirus in the future and you were making this point about like how all that time into the future and even farther beyond that, it's just going to be like, this is just going to look like bad that this virus got the best of us in the way that it did Mm -hmm. and it is he is just i don't think it's going to look good dude like i mean what else is i can't think of anything that like that is going to be viewed as as good like in the future like i mean we're talking maybe the criminal justice reform and some of the the things that he did there and maybe he did commute some sentences for people that you know actually that did deserve deserved it it. that did yeah yeah I, i will give that to him for sure but i mean like you got to think, man, what's going to be coming out in the next like two years or so, you're going to have all these tell all books that are just going to be basically filled with horror stories about the administration. Like nobody's going to write a book about how this guy got up at six 30 in the morning every day, went down to the Jefferson room, sat there and read the constitution for an hour every day for six months. It's, we're just not going to get those stories. You, you might get some like, Hey, he did. He threw another McDonald's party for somebody that you know was that was deserving of McDonald's. I forgot about those. But, to be perfectly I honest, that. I forgot about those. Yeah, it's. I tell you, it's such an embarrassing thing, but it's just like buried in this other sea of embarrassment, you know. And um, yeah, man, like I, th- th- we're just not going to hear those stories. So in in the in the near future any positive things that this guy has done for the country are just going to become echoed in this chamber of, you know, conspiracy people and quote patriots end quote. And like, unless there's something that I am completely missing, I just, I'm not necessarily seeing a lot of optimism here um, as far as how this person is going Mm -hmm. to be remembered in the future. 
um, Chris Christie made a really good point when I was watching some of the inauguration coverage yesterday that that you know and you know Chris Christie even though he has condemned Trump for a lot of things recently definitely still one of his supporters and you know and, and I do appreciate I do appreciate when the networks go out of their way to make sure there is like a, at least one or two opposing views uh, points yes. of view but it was really it was interesting to hear Chris Christie say that you know all of you know of all the all the things that Trump did accomplish are going to be drowned out by the way that he behaves and the way that he says things. And yep. you were, you're just hitting on this. You're hitting on this so well that like, it's the, it's the same idea. Like there are things that Trump did that are, that do stay like the, they, you know, commuting Alice Johnson sentence was like a legitimate right or legitimate wrong that needed to be right. Right. It. <clears throat> and he did that, but no one is that gets lost in the wash when you talk about how Mexican people are rapists, when mm-hmm. you talk about how the the white nationalists at Charlottesville are good people, like that, right. all that gets fucking washed away. Your one good deed gets washed away. It, it doesn't. It, it could be ten good deeds get washed away by one fucking dumb deed. Um, that's that's you're, right. You're dead on with that, man. You're dead on. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, like he's done. Like, there's just so many things that contrast any positivity you know and and it's not like it's not like this is like a close race where in one lane you have good things and in one lane you have an over you have stupid things the stupid things are like winning this race and they're not going to lose this isn't a tortoise in the hare situation this is when the hare just said fuck it i'm not tired and continued continued on the turtle fell (laughs) over at some point in time and cannot get back up it's just there with its legs flailing in the yep. wind. <laughs> and like, and, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it is just, oh, God, yeah, it's, it's just fucking, it's awful, man. I mean, it's just it's something that, um, we should not have to even write into our history books, but, but we will. And, um, this better be one of these things that, um, the country, like this whole like history learn from it. So it doesn't repeat itself type argument that you and I've heard our entire lives. This better be one of these kind of moments for for us as a country, because like, I mean, sure. Yeah, sure. Things were really, really good with like the economy and stuff like that before the pandemic. But I kind of don't even want to know what another four years of Trump would have been like, without this pandemic and stuff like that, or he would have just been given free reign. You know what I'm saying? All the, the enabling would have been through the roof even more. Um, while the economy might have still been strong, which is uh, something that is completely up for debate. I think that there were a lot more things at stake in this country, especially when it comes to in terms of character and how we're perceived in the world and stuff. And like, we're only perceived as a strong country in a, in this bubble of the Republican party. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere Mm -hmm. else we look pretty fucking bad. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like, I, um, I just hope that we, that this is like a serious look in the mirror type kind of moment. And we either have the opportunity to, make sure and continue to move in a direction that strengthens our democracy. Or this could be one of these fucking deals where like, Hey, you know how Hitler tried and then came to power eight years later, we really need to be, be really careful and really conscientious of the fact that this fascism thing has awoken and it could come back, you know? So we, we need to, we kind of need to be on our heels as far as, um, bettering our country goes in the next you know in the foreseeable future 
Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind to a point you made about like how Trump um, and to, to make my point here, how Trump uh, commuted some prison sentences that like needed to be commuted, like light drug sentences that people should never have been in prison for 20 years for. Um, mm-hmm. And like that's absolutely right. But the only reason why they even came to his attention is because Kim Kardashian brought those to him. Because right. Kanye West was, you know, a part of this. Because famous people um, got his attention. And I think this is like the hallmark of what the Trump presidency, the legacy of the Trump presidency, is going to be. It's, it's obviously the grift and all the grifting that has taken place. Um, even down to the last days of his presidency when he was selling pardons for $2 million. Um, mm-hmm. or selling the potential for a pardon for $2 million. Um, so, like, I mean, even down to his last day, last hours, uh, this, this, this presidency was about grifting people. But right. it's also, it's not just that kind of stuff. It's not just the lob, like the oil lobby getting into Trump's ear and letting, him, letting them drill in national parks and letting them drill in, in reserves in Alaska. It's not just that. It's that, like, at all levels, at all times... The presidency was for sale, either literally in some kind of transit, like literally in a money transaction. You donate to a Trump super PAC or, you know, the Trump Foundation or whatever, or transactionally speaking, like Kanye West coming to the White House is it's it's a it's a transaction in fame. It's a transaction in attention. It's a transaction in, you know, he he's been in the entertainment world for a long time. It's not Mm -hmm. always about money. Sometimes it's about other stuff that you can trade on your personality on you know your your connections whatever else um that's that's what i see it's it's these people that are that kid rock fucking kanye west um kim card you know what and i'll give kim kardashian a pass because at least she is trying to do the right thing um even if she's sort of taking a shortcut by using her celebrity with trump um Mm -hmm. like she actually has an interest in that sort of civil rights and social justice like i she does get credit for that but right. if she was just a regular humdrum person, she wouldn't have gotten Trump's attention whatsoever. So there's there's that level of it. And then, like, you go down even farther and think about, like, all the social media personalities, um, musicians. Uh, there's sports figures that are – that in the last couple years, especially – it's really, like, the last two years. But you could even go back to 2015, 2016. But really the last, like, two years – all these people that like suddenly became um, suddenly there's um, there's there's black social media influencers that are black black MAGA supporters, and mm-hmm. knowing full well that being a black guy in the MAGA movement is is an oddity, and they can cash in on that. Um, right. I'm gonna guarantee you right now if you were to try to find some of these like MAGA these like there's like I remember there was like a for a hot minute there was some MAGA rapper who was who's you know, making waves on uh, on TikTok and Instagram. And I'm, I'm going to guarantee you six to eight months from now, that guy's not going to have a shred of MAGA gear <laughs> in any of his videos anywhere. Um, there was a fighter. I, I can't remember the, I can't remember the UFC fighter's name. Um, Colby, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Or maybe if you want to look up UFC, MAGA UFC fighter real quick for me. Um, but there was a, there was this fighter who like tried various personalities almost like a wrestling kind of deal tried various personalities um in you know on for size as 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 kind of a as his signature brand and quite frankly the guy was pretty dull and he's not like a he's an above average fighter i mean he's he's pretty solid 
But once he became a MAGA UFC fighter and became a complete fucking asshole heel, his, you know, his star rose. Trump took notice was, you know, Trump, Trump was tweeting him congratulations after his wins and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. There's just that kind of grift at all levels at all times for the Trump presidency. Dude, you're hitting that on the head. The UFC fighter's name, by the way, was Colby Covington. Colby Covington. That's right. Yep. Yes. And I'll tell you, man, like it is you're right. It is basically putting up the United States for sale. This is the kind of shit that like people like get mad at their politicians for, you know, these politicians like getting uh, rich with their pockets and, yep. you know, taking the, the government money and like turning the whole thing to a piggy bank and stuff. And like prior to like 2016 and everything like that, this would, this would have been the stuff that like enraged those um, Trump people and stuff like that, who like hate America and want to burn it all down. And this guy did exactly what they cannot stand and they endorse him for it. They love it. They want him to do it even more. You know what I'm saying? And like, this is the kind of stuff that like, it shouldn't be like, you shouldn't be even like, and I'm not just talking about with the presidency, but I'm talking about money and politics in general and this concept of lobbying, lobbying, you're just paying for stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's all it is. It's, it's not even, it's a, you could call it a bride. You could call it lobbying. You could call it outright buying something. That's what it is. And this kind of shit like needs to stop because these people with money and everything like that, they and that can make these kind of um, transactions and can buy these kinds of things and buy these kinds of power. They're not the people that actually like need stuff. You know what I'm saying? The, the struggling family and everything that they can't they're never going to be able to have the kind of money that they can do to lobby somebody to make something happen for them. And it's just a, it's just basically a mockery of like everything that this country is all about. And now I realize that there's this whole like, you know, kind of like different perspective on America. Well, that is what America is all about. You know, like the, the kind of seedy underground um, Gordon Gecko kind of yeah. uh, take on the subject or whatever. But at the same time, it shouldn't be about that. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if America wants to like live up to what it's basically what it's advertising slogan is these kinds of things, these kinds of things shouldn't even take place. And I got to tell you, like, if, if people really want change, like, I mean, you could just easily just petition people and do it the regular way. But unfortunately, because of money, the regular way isn't effective. Now you have to have the regular way plus $2 million. So it's just a system that's completely set up against a substantial portion of the population. And and dude, you're, you're, you're right. Like Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, her head's in the right place. It's the the methods are a little, you know, left of center, not necessarily of standard, but at least yeah. her, at least her head's in the right place. Yeah. There's a whole lot of people out here that are, are working against the good of the people and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And like you could pick any argument out of a hat that they talk about any hour on NPR. Like if it's a minimum wage thing, well, yeah, it should make sense to you that minimum wage should be at like a dollar amount that people can live off of. And in this crazy state of the country where everything is getting expensive and even apartments in Cleveland now are like multi thousand dollars a month in the downtown area. And I mean, that's everywhere. I just, you know, pick Cleveland because it's, you know, the LA, it's not a reference and it's not clever that I mentioned high rent in California, but, uh, um, so with everything going up in price, like nothing's coming down, man. If you, I remember going to Blossom Music Center every year for this healthy stretch of years. And every single year, beers went up 25 cents to 50 cents every single mm-hmm. year. Fast food, everything's going up. And like 
while I personally believe that people should have like a decent wage to live off of, there are people out there with money that are paying people to make sure that that doesn't happen. There's people actually paying money to make sure that you don't get paid more money. It's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, I, I don't, I don't want to get too far into it, but it's the the Republican Party has no platform to speak of. It's just grievance politics. Basically, mm-hmm. how can they enact legislation that will harm someone that they feel like is wrong them? Right. Which is a That's really right. odd way to run a government, by the way. Yeah. And dude, the thing that like, I mean, believe me, there's a million theories about what I'm about to say, but it just escapes me for that. A lot of these people that there are people in the Republican Party that are on hard financial times, you know, that it's not some universal thing where everybody in the Republican Party is rich, old and white. There's a lot of like young hurting Republicans that have been affected by this pandemic and stuff, and they vote against their interests every fucking routinely. Time. Routine. There's, there's. I remember there's like a whole bunch of articles about Kansas and what happened in Kansas the last like decade, how they the the people of Kansas kept voting in Republican leadership, which I'm sure it's still a Republican state, a totally Republican state, and they just kept the Republican leadership just kept punishing the people in various ways that kept voting for them, and it was like, it, it, it's like. It's like one of those things like, hey, you know, you just voted against, um, you know, you just voted against like farm uh, subsidies, like you're a giant fucking farm state. Like, what are you what are you people doing? You voted, you know, whatever it is, like you voted against something that's going to benefit you. And it's because Mm -hmm. the letter R told you to. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's exactly right, man. And it's it's just it's tragic. It's very disheartening. It's disheartening to see. And like it kind of goes against everything like at least what I consider to be like freedom and the freedom of thought and being able to make your own choices and stuff. And it's just like, Hey, you know, you're going to think this way. You're going to vote this way because we tell you to, it doesn't matter how you get hurt, but I'm going to stay in power. I'm going to become more successful. Things are going to get a lot more difficult for you and I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah. That's that. That that was too long to put on the, uh, as like the um, you know the slogan for the Republican National Convention, but that's about right. Right. Yeah, I know. There's a little too many words in that. If they can maybe come up with some kind of cool acronym, you know, or something, yeah, there you that'd go. be cool. But <laughs> right. So, but yeah, man, it's it's just very disheartening and stuff. And you you see it in Ohio, like I I see it here in California. It's everywhere. It's not. This isn't something that is specific to a certain region of the country. This is everywhere. So who do you think in the political realm is going to pay the biggest price for enabling Trump? Okay, like I'm speaking pretty broadly here, but I do think Republicans are they're they're paying a price and they're going to continue to pay the price. The party as a whole, Um, I'm going to focus on one specific Republican a little bit later in our episode. But um, for now, I just want I want to take everything for the party. The they lost the House. They've lost the Senate. They've lost the presidency. So they're already they're definitely hurting. And unfortunately, in this whole process, and especially with this cat with the, the Capitol riot, the secret has been exposed. And like I one of our earlier episodes, um, I think the very, very first time we talked about politics, I think we discussed like the concept of each party's like dirty little secret and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Republican Party's dirty little secret of being the party of these insurrectionist, disgusting, mega racist, bigot people and stuff. I think it's been kind of one of these things that people 
it's, it's like they know, but they they kind of like don't really care about because it just kind of stays in one little corner. You know, like we know that there are these scumbags, but hey, they're never going to come out of their trailers. Or yeah, they're just always going to be online. You know, we could always just kind of play it off. You know, hey, this is me, Mitch McConnell in front of a Confederate flag. But, yeah, you know, it's the South. You know, it's kind of like a different thing down there. Like there's always some way that they have to to spin this and I'm not, and believe me, they're doing everything humanly possible to spin this thing with the Capitol. I think they're doing a very, very bad job of it. And they're even grasping for straws saying that Antifa posed as all this stuff. It's just, come on guys. Like really like you're in that bad at denial about it. Um, so I think for the longest time, the Republicans have been able to benefit from this hidden area, which goes back to the article you told me about the Trumpers and this hidden majority and all this stuff, they've been able to kind of benefit from this secret little lake of people that um, will constantly go to the polls and stuff like that because they, you know, they believe what the Republicans believe, but the Republicans can just kind of keep them where they are. Well, now that's out. That's out in the open. And this kind of thing that people knew about but never really had to deal with is now something that they have to deal with. And they didn't just like, hey, come out with some latest cutting edge conspiracy theory. They stormed the United States Capitol building and they took down the American flag and put up a Trump flag and they pissed on the building and stuff. It's like there's a lot of stuff, like even little small examples of what took place on the property that day that are just beyond belief disgusting. And these I personally, number one, like I don't believe anybody stands for like I don't I don't believe that, like, you know, just the general population stands for that kind of stuff. And I got to tell you, like, I believe that a pretty decent population of the Republican Party, as we know it, was absolutely disgusted by that. Like, how could you not be? And um, I think that now that the dirty secret is out, this is going to have some major, major consequences. And I kind of thought that I mean, I, I personally believe that the two party system, these two parties are going to split eventually. I I said originally that it was going to be the Republicans who did it first. And then it's kind of the Democrats had their problems and stuff with them uniting the party with the progressive wing and the more moderate wing of the democratic party. I thought they were going to crack first, but now I see the Republican party having just a major crisis of faith here, a major crisis of conscience. You're right. They don't have any platform. It is all guilty politics. And now you throw this in the mix. So it's guilty politics. And by the way, we want to, uh, overthrow the government and all the stuff we can't take the loss of an election it's something that these people are going to pay a hefty price for and there's going to be some people that walk between the raindrops because they're in districts that are safe but there's going to be people that are voted out there's going to be people that never see politics again after the next election cycle and those face obstacles because we obviously don't want fascists to come in and everything like that. But there's something's going to pay a price here, dude. And I, I think it's going to be the, that party's going to pay a big price coming up here in the, the near future. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you to to very I, I agree with you to a certain degree. Yeah, the, the party splitting might be a little bit on the extreme side like that. might That might be a little much, but I. I there's there's going to be stuff that they have to deal with as a result of this. Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, exactly. I, I mean, they're they're going to have to deal with a lot, but you are underestimating how many people don't care. I know, I know, and that's that is something that it's been something that's kind of my thing. I I think everybody cares, but you're right. There's a lot of people that outright like don't give a shit. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Um, trust me. There's a bunch of my family, and we've I haven't necessarily had the discussions with them, but like. 
there's people in my family that are just like, man, just leave Trump alone. Um, so right. So whatever. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you are you are right. There is going to be some very immediate ramifications uh, for the Republican Party, and I'm going to go down that path right now, specifically talking about Ted Cruz. Um, Ted Cruz is in peril in the next. I he's mm-hmm. probably he's, he's got to be up in the next four years. He's got to be in 2024, I believe. Um, he ran against Beto in 2018, yes, so he's 2024. up again. And, yep. Um. So here's here's why Ted Cruz is is fucked. Um. Ted Cruz, we have on record five years of Ted Cruz with his relationship with Donald Trump, from being combative. You know when they were primary challengers, when they were they were both seeking the uh, the Republican nomination uh, for the president, very combative, very ugly language. And then as soon as Trump got the nomination, who was one of his most loyal little lap dogs? Ted Cruz. Four yep. years of Ted Cruz walking in lockstep with the president, rarely ever breaking stride with him, uh, reinforcing the messaging as we saw during the the fucking rally reinforcing that messaging uh, that the election was stolen, reinforcing every bad impulse that he's had. After the Capitol insurrection, there he gave a bold, a straight-faced interview. Um, I, I can't remember if it was with, I think it was with like a local, uh, no, it was with Fox, it was with Fox News. Um, gave a straight-faced interview where he talked about how he spent the last four years, you know, making, he spent the last four years disagreeing with Trump and trying to get him in order. <laughs> And it's like, right. dude, you're fucking <laughs> lying to everyone mm-hmm. right now, and we have the fucking receipts. So there's that part of it that like you you really want us to believe that like you can just disappear that you want you can will this away. Bullshit. Add to it that we when we go back to our last election episode, um, add to it that Texas is becoming at least a purple state, and probably in the future, as more people from California. More people from New York, more people uh, from Illinois move to Texas. It's going to become a blue state. And so four years from now, when your population, when that vote is probably tipping more 50-50, you know, blue and red versus probably a 55-45 red to blue split right now, Ted Cruz is going to be voted out the next time that he tries to run for senator. Of course. I agree with you on this all the way. I'm waiting for this day to happen. However... I got a little bit of concerns about this. Like Ted Cruz, just a major joke to begin with. I've always viewed the guy as a joke. And now you're right about this whole thing where like, you're right. He was, this guy was Trump's lap dog from moment number one and everything. And Hey Ted, like, why did you, uh, you know, why did you say all this stuff about the campaign? Well, it's just the campaign. You guys know how we are on the campaign. Right. Tra la la. And like, number one, like he's just a joke of an individual, like as a, as a, as a human being, like it's like flesh and blown, bone and blood and everything like that. And he he's going to lose the next time. Guaranteed. Now, what concerns me is like what I told you about this kind of like rise of fascism again and Hitler, you know, getting caught and then all of a sudden having his resurgence years later, his seat Whoever takes it, whether whether it be a, um, a Democratic candidate, who I, I personally would like it to be that direction, but if it's not, the Republican that dethrones him is going to be crucial because it's either going to be one of these conspiratorial QAnon Republicans or it's going to be one of these like hard-nosed, old-school, like Texas-type Republicans. And if I'm going to pick between the two, I do not want the QAnon person in office. And 
it's 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 the reason that I say this is because I think that Ted Cruz is the only one of our current like um, current cast of senator Republican senators that is guaranteed to lose. Like I even think Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell have somewhat of a chance, even though Mitch McConnell will be old as hell, but he's guaranteed to lose. And that's why I think it's going to be crucial um, that his Senate seat not go to one of these QAnon idiots. I, I, I think by the time we get to that point, I, I, we're both in agreement that like QAnon will persist in some way, shape or form. I don't think that it's going to be as political by then. And I say that because the the QAnon uh, freshman Congress uh, Congress people that were uh, you know Marjorie Green and uh, Lauren yeah. Lauren Boebert, mm-hmm. f- good fucking luck getting reelected, you two idiots. You right. you clearly she, Marjorie Green already submitted uh, um, you know filed for impeachment, impeachment. for yeah. uh, for Biden. You f- two fucking numbnuts. Don't understand the first thing about about being a con. Again, I guess no one does their first time around necessarily, but like these, you could not find two more wildly unqualified people to be holding political office. And whether it's another Republican that takes their seats, probably in both cases it'd be a Republican. Um, they don't have like. What about what about your constituents? Do your constituents want you to impeach Joe Biden? In a, what's going to end up failing miserably, or do they have other concerns in their district? Um, Lauren Boebert is so fucking concerned with her goddamn gun. Um, how about the rampant water issues that your district faces? Are you doing anything about that? Is there a pla- there isn't a platform, by the way? That's the joke. Um, right. <laughs> there's there is no plan to do anything about that. It's about her gun and making sure that you know. Basically, she ran on I'm a cute little girl with a gun and I like President Trump. There is no other right. plan. These two, these two ding dongs are so wildly unqualified for this position that, like our our first taste of QAnon political leadership is just going to crash and burn. And I can't imagine that somehow someone savvy enough to win the senator of the second biggest state in the union would be a QAnon. So there's just no way. I I really dude I absolutely hope so. And you're right. These the Greens and the Boberts of the world. This impeachment introduction, that is a joke, dude. Like you it's that is going to be if you were even to like somehow view the Trump impeachment as a joke, this is even more of a joke that on day one, he hasn't even done anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's still like they're still decorating the place and she's now filing like impeachment articles. So like if these people if the image of these people like are just they're made out to look like jokes and made out to look like assholes and just complete, just irrelevant, crazy pieces of shit. Hopefully this will dampen this movement when it comes to politics. And that's, I'm telling you, if there's ever a point in time, and I think for even the health and safety of the Republican Party, they need to they need to kick this shit to the curb. You know what I'm saying? Like ASAP, because it's not, it's just, everything is predicated on these lies and these false beliefs and just this shit that, and eventually if you keep peddling this stuff at some point in time, you're going to have to pay the piper where people are going to start expecting results. You can only the pedal the lie for so long. It may be 10 years, but eventually it will come to a, it will come to a halt. And I think that people right now, like, yeah, this is, this is like what's going on right here with these people. It's like, 
and people who have done cocaine in, in the audience and stuff like that will definitely know what I'm talking about is like it gets to that point where you're all out of it and maybe you find like a little bit you're already feeling like death and you probably shouldn't be doing any more cocaine but there's just a little bit left for you to go after that's what this whole thing is right now and i'll tell you that's usually the cocaine you don't want to do and it usually leads to mistakes as this type of shit will i'll take your word for it yes please do <laughs> don't go out and do that <laughs> so who which trump is going to tackle politics next chema Okay, I I thought about this one, and I, I'm going with Don Jr. And like I, um, my reasoning for this is that out of all the three kids, like the the, the primary ones, Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka. Oh, you mean it's not Tiffany? Yeah, not Tiffany. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, even even I, even I don't include her in the uh, in the primary Trump kids. <laughs> sorry, Tiffany. Not sorry, but um, I um, <laughs> Tiffany Trump. Okay. <clears throat> Back to what I was saying. That's just the thought of her is just comical. Yeah, that is as a walking punchline. Yeah. So what I was originally going to say is, um, out of the three children, this is my complete opinion on this. Um, I don't have much to back it up. It's just what I see. But Don Jr. looks like out of all the three of them that he really enjoys this the most. You know, he really enjoys going up to the speeches, doing lines and riling up a crowd like he's an 80s rock star that he never was or his father that he'll never be. And he may uh, Eric. I don't really see that. I kind of see him as just, I mean, he's still a fucking asshole. I'm not saying that the guy's a good guy in any way, shape or form, but he's just a kind of a go through the motions type. He doesn't really speak with the same kind of fire that John Don Jr. does. And Eric may still enjoy this whole thing and making the money and getting the recognition and shaking hands and all that stuff. But I just don't, I just don't see him getting the same enjoyment out of it as Don Jr. And I got to tell you, like Ivanka might be the only one that I think could kind of get, could actually do it, but I just don't see her doing it. Like, I, I think all the, all that celebrity stuff and all the people that she used to talk to and hang out with, and they're not calling her anymore. You know, if she was friends True. with Chrissy Teigen, they're not, I'm pretty much sure you Chrissy Teigen would not be calling Ivanka. And I, I just happen to think that she's the more frail of the three. Like there's just something about her that she might actually be the real person out of the three, which is, I, I don't know what that says about me, but, um, or my judgment of Ivanka Trump, but, um, I could kind of see what's going to happen here in the next couple months and all the shit about how the world really views her father. And she's been dealing with it for years, but I think even afterwards, it's finally going to kind of set in. And I think she's just going to her. She's going to divorce Jared. That that marriage isn't going to last. And she'll wind up wherever she ends up, probably some other millionaire real estate investor. And they just go live their life somewhere. So I think it's Don Jr. I am. I, I do think you're right about Don Jr. In that he sort of this is this is sort of like his sort of thing is to be on stage kind of, you know, to as like his dad's hype man. And, like, I really do think he enjoys that. But I think I think that Don Jr. is is sort of the RC Cola of the Trumps, of, of this sort of potential, <laughs> this potential sort of, like, cult of personality that Donald Trump is, that Trump mm-hmm. Sr. is. I, Don Jr. doesn't have it. Like, he pretends like he does, and he he has the energy and the enthusiasm, but, like, there's... 
there is no way I, I will uh, Trump Trump senior legitimately I, I mean think about this this is uh, this is a repulsive person who's been a repulsive person for in the national spotlight for essentially 50 years but like people still like him mm-hmm. you know like he Tom Brady is one of his friends like, right. <laughs> right. So he must. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of athletes that actually count him as friends. Like there's, I want to say like Natalie Golbus is like one of his friends, like this female golfer. Um, right. Like there's a lot of people that like count Trump Senior as a friend, and like you when you hear them talk about like the conversations that they had, you're like, wait a second, that Donald Trump, like right. that Donald Trump doesn't look like sound like he could ever offer you any piece of advice. But like when you hear Brady talk about him, I I, I just. It's Natalie, I'm pretty sure it's Natalie Golbus. She sticks out because I remember this interview that she she gave about how like Trump really like helped her, um, really helped her like capitalize on like the business side of like being being a golfer, like what it meant to capitalize on your on your image and likeness, what it meant to you know to you know how to be a, how to be a professional, not just an athlete, how to be a professional too. And mm-hmm. and I'm like, where was this when he was president? <laughs> like, right. where was this? Yeah. Um, so like Trump senior for sure has like, has some kind of charisma. Um, obviously 74 million people voted for him recently. It's it's the third highest of all time. Um, so he has charisma. I think Don Jr. has zero charisma. I don't think Don Jr. could, could win a congressional (laughs) primary. Um, he's, he is in fact a hype man for the rapper. He's not the rapper. Um, so I think Don Jr.'s out. Eric is dumb and unelectable. Like, mm-hmm. what could Eric possibly win? Uh, just right. Nothing. nothing. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany Trump, like you said, walking punchline. Let's not even go there. Barron is obviously too young. And I have a feeling that growing up in the, growing up, you know, not growing up, but like spending four years in the White House, four formative years from like, what is he, 10 to 14 or something, or 11 to 15? Yeah. I don't think he'll have a stomach for it. He'd, and you know what, Barron? Just go be, just go inherit your billions and ignore politics. You'd be better off for it. Um, I think it's Ivanka, and I think it's Ivanka because she was the one. While Don Jr. is out at the rallies screaming and yelling, who was the advisor? One of the advisors, Trump. Her, yeah. Ivanka, and Jared was too. But Ivanka was one of the advisors. Ivanka did. Ivanka was in strategy meetings. Was in intel meetings. Ivanka was like there doing the actual work and she's moving to you know her and jared are not going to live in new york they're going to live in florida um down in miami in a very friendly place to the trumps in a very Mm -hmm. republican friendly state so it's not going to be shocking to me in a few years if she is running governor as governor for the state or one of the senators not going to surprise me okay I'm going to start off by saying that number one, I could see everything that you're saying here. It really like out of when I answered this question and stuff, like Don Jr. was just what I, I'm not saying that Ivanka, I could totally see doing this. Okay. While it may not have been in the answer that I gave, I could kind of see what you're saying here. And the interesting thing is I believe if she jumped right on into politics, she would be going up against Rubio. Um, that would be her first opportunity to run against um, somebody yeah. for the Senate. And dude, I got to tell you, like uh, Rubio, the last I, I thought, like in the beginning, Rubio kind of looked like one of these 
sort of competent Republicans and stuff when he was running originally. Yeah, it turns he's, out it turns out he's not. Yeah, no, it turns out he's not. No, I mean, like, it's weird when I say the phrase, like, competent Republican. Like, it, it covers a lot. It's a large kind of umbrella that I'm th- throwing over here. Sure. But um, there was something about him where, like, I, I kind of saw where if it's like, okay, if Hillary lost and he was the president, it, it would not be as bad as Trump. You know, I mean, I can say that about anybody who was <laughs> in the primary true. in 2016. But um, Rubio, I think, over time has looked very, very weak. And I think he's been kind of like a lost senator who's played, you know, he's kind of done whatever he can to, like, you know, not make it on Trump's shit list. Mm-hmm. And um, Ivanka coming in there especially so soon off of this whole thing with a guy, I mean, she's going to tower over Rubio. She looks infinitely more electable and presidential and senatorial or whatever than him hands down. And I got to tell you, if it came down to those two running, she's going to crush that little fucking guy. Like it's like, it, it mm-hmm. won't, she could, she won't, they'll have one debate. She won't even look at them. She won't even answer questions. She's not even going to talk about policy. It's just going to be like, you know, my dad did this. I'm going to do the blah, blah, blah. Maybe cherry pick some of those things, but um, it's going to be a massacre. And if I was Rubio, I would be thinking long and hard about um, what could be ahead of me in the future, because that's going to be a slaughter. I, I agree with all this. And I think, and just to sort of, just to sort of double down on this, I think Don, Don Jr. would rather be her hype man than actually have to go through being, I, I don't think Don Jr. wants to do, he wants to be on Fox News. He wants to be on TV. He wants to be like a headliner. I can't imagine that he wants, like his dad, can't imagine that he wants to do any of the work though. I actually think, I, whereas I actually think Ivanka would at least put effort into doing things. Yeah, you know, like I could I would agree with you on that one. There's something about her that it's different from the other two. I don't know if she's just it's because she's hotter than the other two or whatever. I don't know if it's that, but um there's something about my perception of her that I don't view her the same way that I view the other ones, you know, and she does look a little bit more mature and sound more mature, come off as more mature, even just a little bit more tempered in her tone and stuff like that. Like she doesn't get super jacked up. She doesn't say like um, raise her hands in the air and scream the best is yet to come. There's a certain kind of swagger that she has about her that um, could be really dangerous if weaponized against (laughs) weaponized against us. No, yeah, I, 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 we've had, okay, I, I like that you're hitting on this one point too, and I'll be real quick here, that the, the Fox News unquestionably hires some of the most attractive looking reporters, anchors, hosts that you can find, and she yep. would slide in perfectly with that Fox News demographic, that like, oh, yeah. there are men in Florida that would vote for her for no other reason other than that she's a tall, good looking blonde. That's exactly right, dude. She would like, she would be another one of the the Laura Ingrams, the the toned down version of Tommy Laren. Like, and there are people that are just going to latch onto that because it's coming from somebody that doesn't look like Marco Rubio. Exactly, exactly. All right, Shemina, we've uh, taken a look back at the Trump presidency and uh, maybe any kind of potential future for the other Trumps. Uh, I think it's. I think we have to do our due diligence here and talk a little bit about Joe Biden. Uh, Joseph Robinette. I did not know his middle name was Robinette. That's clearly yeah, a know, family name. 
Yeah, the it's weird. The only reason I knew that is um, when we were in high school and we played Walsh in the uh, the playoff game, which then Walsh ended up going on to win yeah. the state title. I believe they had a they had a stud on their team named Ryan Robinette who was getting looked at for pitching. I think for a while he was a pitcher for Walsh too that day because Walsh was like killing it in baseball uh, and probably still is because they're just a powerhouse like pretty much in everything. Um, so th- that's why the name sticks out t- to me was like, it just kind of stuck with me. I'm like, cause I remember us having to um, particularly um, plan to play Dan Bash, Ryan Robinette and Justin Alberta, their quarterback. See, so the I, whole week it was just yeah, talking about them. I like, I've heard, I've heard Robinette as a last name, but never as like, a, I mean, that was someone's name in the family. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was like someone was named Robinette. Yeah, I know. It's like I I've never heard it referenced anywhere else other than the last, last name. name. I actually think I think it's pretty freaking badass. Actually, it's, it's got to be Irish. It's got to be Irish. Is a uh, yes, the, you know the the Emerald Isles are green. Probably. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of unique in its own way. I mean, Biden is 160, so you know he's bound to have a really old name. Yeah, that's true. He probably was around. That easily that could be the second rendition of Robinette ever in the world. Right, right. The first was his brother, a Civil War general. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But no, but seriously, uh, let's talk about a little bit about Biden here. Um, I, I, I will say that just sort of leading this off, I, I'm talking to some friends over the last uh, you know 36 hours or so, and obviously, obviously relieved that there wasn't any more violence at the Capitol, but like. Boy, it just, it just, I feel like, I feel like for the first time in a long time that like there are a lot more possibilities than there were before. I I did not, there was, it's not just me being an obvious Democrat that that's why I dislike Trump. I I just knew bad things were coming with electing a loudmouth reality TV star and failed, uh, failed, um, uh, you know, like a, what Phil real estate developer real estate developer is your president like i knew there were bad things coming i just didn't realize how bad now i just feel confident and i don't know about you i just feel confident having someone who is a quote-unquote career politician as if as if training for your entire life to have a really important job is a bad thing um i just feel confident that like it, it even if things don't go exactly the way i want them to I just feel confident that at least that we'll get back to things. We'll get back to actually doing things that matter and might actually benefit the American people. Of course, dude, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic and stuff right now. You know, granted we are going to have our challenges and everything, but yeah, this is somebody who has spent easily half of his 160 years on the face of this planet involved in politics. Like he's a like first 20 term Senator. <laughs> right. He might've even been there when they resolved the civil war. Right. So like, it's just this, uh, there's just this thing where, I don't know, I guess like you want people who are trained and who care and have been doing the job. There are certain jobs where you like want those kind of people to take that job and stuff. Like you, you were, you're right again about the whole transition of business people into politics happens all the time. This was definitely not one that um, worked for our favor. But with these career politicians, like, you know, it may be one of these deals where, like, we may not get, like, sweeping crazy reforms where you wave a magic wand and overnight something happens. That's not how American politics, like, work, you know, and it sucks. It really, really does suck. But 
there's i guess like a little bit of like comfort i guess that we all kind of take in maybe politics being like on the boring side there's no reason for even myself to be wrapped up in politics the, the way that i was over the course of the last couple of years i mean like it, it's cool to like know about stuff going on in the world but i shouldn't really know like you know trump put a button next to the phone to put diet cokes or right. something like that you know right. just, we just we just basically found out too much information and that 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 you know you could blame that on the media i'm not saying that they're absolved of all responsibility here but just having these people that at least like you know that they're there to not get us involved in a pandemic they're there to not have the United States like be a laughing stock, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's just a certain security in career politicians that I that I feel. And I'll tell you, like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, you, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not like the, the richest guy in the world. Definitely not even the richest guy in Southern California or in Cleveland. And uh, I got to tell you, like, there are some things that like, yes, I, I would like to see changed. Of course, everybody out there has got um, their views on things that they would like to see changed. And I happen to just feel optimistic that maybe some of the things that, you know, that I would want to see happen, or maybe some of the things that align with the Democrats, um, you know, overall agenda and any platform that they might have, some of those things might actually take place now. Whereas before they were all just completely, it was just all shit that I would have had to come up with $2 million to get the president's attention to get, you know, now it seems like there's people that actually are doing stuff for the betterment of the American people, including the people that voted against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. You're. 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 You're absolutely right. There's. So, if someone was building your house, do you want the architect who's been doing the houses for fifty years, or do you want the architect who has bold new ideas about how to make a house? Yeah, I kind of want to go with the established guy. <laughs> right. And and while and you bring up a good point. Politics, American politics is slow. Politics pretty much in every developed country is slow. And that's very much on purpose. That so it's very much on purpose otherwise like we kind of then do resemble um fascist states and states that are run by despots who can just wave their hands and make things happen overnight. Um there's a process there for a reason and Trump wanted his America to be that way to, he wanted to wave his hand and make things happen like immediately. And it's, we now have people in charge and even people who are, you know, in charge of the Republican leadership who understand that like, that's just not how things have ever worked, how they, they'll never work that way. And it's a lot easier to get things done and get comp and even make compromises when you don't have someone throwing a temper tantrum because they couldn't just wave their hands or snap their fingers and make it happen. Right. Exactly. Good point about the whole thing resembling a dictatorship. That's exactly right. That is what happens in those dictator driven or ran um, societies and stuff. Somebody snaps their fingers and it happens. And while, yeah, that may be efficient in certain cases, but you don't want that to be the way it goes. You know what I'm saying? There has to be some mm-hmm. kind of a process, checks and balances, a thorough discussion and debate. And even though like, yeah, it may suck to, Hey, by the way, they're going at it for the 23rd round of debate. It's like, I know sometimes it's like pulling your hair out, but these processes and everything like that are instilled. So we don't become one of these dictatorships. And like, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, part of me still kind of harps on the fact that if he would have ran for another four years or if he would have gotten elected for another four years, 
we would have been heading into that path and stuff. And those those kinds of governments and stuff very, very rarely work. Like I, I can't really think of any dictatory type regimes that have sustained like massive amounts of longevity. You know, there's always revolts, there's always uprisings, changings of power, all that stuff. And I, I tell you, we're as a country, that's just that's just not us. You know, it's just not the way it is. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to when it comes to to Biden's you know immediate future here and, and what his agenda is, let's leave out let's leave out the coronavirus and let's leave out the general division in our country. Those are obviously like the two biggest issues that mm -hmm. Biden has to tackle. Um, you know, it's it's not really worth talking about those necessarily just because those are obvious. So, right. What do you think is the next thing? You know, if those are one two. What do you think is the next thing on Biden's agenda in terms of like what would, what would be his biggest challenge? Got to get the economy up and running again. Like it's got to be, you know, we got to get through the obviously we have to get through the coronavirus, you know, that that's a part of it. But we have to get the economy going to like pre pandemic um, to, to pre pandemic levels and stuff like that. There has to be something that we could, you know, sell off to people that even like the, the, the Biden haters and stuff like, Hey, at least this guy got the economy back. You may not like it, but Hey, isn't it cool? You're working again. You know, like did, didn't, didn't like suck when you were like not working because of the pandemic. Well, Hey, great. This guy got us through it. Now the economy's up and running again. And I feel that if he's able to get the economy back to where it was pre pandemic levels or somewhere in this neighborhood, I think that he's going to have really tremendous results. And I think people may actually start to like trust this guy if things start to, um, and, and hopefully, you know, kind of dampen, put a, like a blanket over some of the fires that have been lit. And for some reason, like, I'm not going to lie, like it's, it's a big issue. It's always an important issue and it should be, this is, you know, financial situations and security and everything of, of you and me and people in this country. It's an important thing. And that has got to be something that he's got to um, he's got to bring back up to the level before Trump or, or the level that Trump had it, if not even more. So that way, it's just like something that he could say where it's like, yeah, you know, I, I did this. We got the economy back and running. And if we can do that, you know, then we could start to like really, really do some some like real change, real things, instituting you know, environmental friendly initiatives, you know, more of them, all that kind of stuff. They could do it as long as they get the economy back. I'll allow it. Um, that's really close to being coronavirus talk. Um, I, yeah. Because it's... once you, once you, once things open back up without fear of the coronavirus, that's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, I know, like, I know that, I know that the ending of the coronavirus, the, the economy is just going to explode. You know what I'm saying? It is just going to explode somewhere in there. There's going to be obstacle. You know, there's this coronavirus has affected so sure. many industries and sure. stuff like that. And like we were talking, I can't remember like which restaurant is like Fuddruckers or something closed. And you know, like the, the wave of ripple effects that could take sure. place from a restaurant closing. And, um, I, some of those obstacles are, are definitely going to need to be addressed and everything like that. And hopefully um, he's able to have some type of resolution, not for everybody, because I know everybody, that's a tall order. But hopefully he could, you know, hopefully he could do something for some of these industries that were or businesses that were completely squandered by this thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I'll, I'll allow it. 
I'll allow it this time. I appreciate. Thank you. Thank you. I'll allow. It. Next time you're going to be. I'm next time I'm going to impeach you. But um, I'll allow. Yeah. It. yeah <laughs> it's. I mean, the thing is that like we're we're probably. I, I don't. I don't think explode is the right way to, to to think about the economy once we get the the virus under control, but it will sort of. We will have like a a pretty significant periods of growth for a couple months. I think the big key is how do we, how does Biden ensure everyone that that this isn't going to be this isn't going to happen again, that this isn't going to be a, a yearly thing. Or a seasonal right. thing, I think that's like the biggest thing that's gonna that's essentially that's the only thing that will really hold the economy back. Um, obviously, you need you know he needs to um, he needs to figure out a way to to make it so uh, you know majority of these small businesses survive and so and not only survive that immediately coming out of the statewide lockdowns and the city lockdowns and etc cetera, etc cetera, that they it's not just that they're open that they can immediately hire people back. Like that's right. that's where I think that's what you're getting part of what you're getting at. It's that places will be able to open right away whenever you know whenever Dewine lifts his statewide you know whenever he rescinds most of his orders, most everything will be open be able to open up. Will they be able to hire anyone immediately? Is the big question, and that's that's where where that's where I think Biden will needs to have some kind of plan, be it tax credits, vouchers whatever you you hire x amount of people within this time frame you know there's guaranteed money to help you you know to help you pay their wages for however long um it's going to be th- the economic fallout from the pandemic we're not going to get back to levels pre-pandemic i i would guess until 2022 midway to 2022 maybe even farther than that this is way far from being over yet in terms of like what the what the the falling down part is it's not even over mm-hmm. yet. Oh, you're right about that, man. Like we're, you know, being here in Southern California, like there's minimal talk of anything really starting to get back to normal anytime soon, you know? And, um, I remember seeing this week, a, um, a concert venue in orange County booked a show for like December 18th of 2021. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, yeah, good luck with that buddy. You know? So, um, we're definitely going to be still in this thing for a while. And there's going to be a lot of small businesses that are, you know, if they thought it was difficult before, like this year could be even more difficult um, being that the, some of the lockdowns and everything are still in place. So yes, tax credits, giving some kind of initiative for companies to hire, to hire people at like a really good wage, not just to say, mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, we're going to hire, but you know, minimum wage or something like that. They, they really need to do that because if, if this argument is true, where small businesses are the, the lifeblood of the American economy that have been being pitched to by both sides of the aisle for so long. And that's, well, and that's it's, it's, by the way, it's very debatable if that's even true. Right, right. I know, I, I know. Um, but like, if these people want to put their money where their mouth is, now is the time. Like this whole thing with government money and all this stuff, like this shit don't matter. Like it, it really doesn't matter. They can, they can all of a sudden uh, – muster up $500 billion or whatever for the army to develop things that we don't even use in battle. You could cough up one, $3 billion for small businesses. It's, I think it's about the time where like the writing is on the wall here. And I, you know, if, if the one thing that, um, 
these last four years have had done, even if it may have been somewhat of a mangled outlook, it's kind of, I think, opened up people's eyes to politics to a certain to a certain degree. Yeah. And um, I while I, I don't necessarily know how one could express consequences or divvy out consequences, but I think when people see, hey, by the way, you're getting five hundred five hundred billion dollars for not even the military for even something else. But the people are only getting two or three billion dollars like these these kinds of things. I think people are going to wake up to and you just you can't do that stuff. There's got to be a little bit of practicality in the way the government is run going far going forward. Mm-hmm. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. It's sort of it's the same argument, Chema, that we had. Whatever you know now that uh, now that Francisco Lindor has been traded to the Mets, it's the stupid argument when when the uh, the uh, when we hear that that the Dolans can't pay, they can't afford to keep Francisco Lindor. Yes, they can. They right. absolutely can. They're billionaires. They can afford to keep him. They just won't be making as much money if they right. pump that much money into one player. Which it's fine. I understand. It's just don't lie to us and tell us you can't afford him. And that means you can't afford to own a baseball team, um, by the way. Uh, the government can afford to... They just did. They just passed $1.9 trillion worth of spending and... Well, it's $1 trillion of a spending bill, $900 billion of a coronavirus uh, stimulus. So anytime the government wants to, they could do this. I mean, not that you should just continuously do this. That would like right. wreck yes, our economy yes. <laughs> very long, very badly for, for the long term. Um, this being a, this is a very different circumstance, obviously, but yeah, any point in time that they, that they want to, there's money, there's money. There's, there's, a, there's more money than there's a lot of money to go around. If they want it to, there are other countries that would be more than happy to loan us money as long as we'll continue to do business with them, and as long as we owe Japan a shit ton of money, we owe China a shit ton of money, we owe other countries a shit ton of money. They don't necessarily want to collect on that because that helps lubricate the wheels of business um, right. going back and forth. So, like, the money will always be there. It's just a matter yeah. of it's just a matter of figuring out how to shake the right branches on the tree. That's a good way to put it. Yes, exactly. The money's always going to be there. Just finding a way to get to it and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, all right. So even though you cheated, I'll let you get away with this one. Um, but legitimately, um, part of part, part of uh, Biden's uh, agenda that we got a peek of in the last 36 hours um, was his pretty ambitious um, immigration reform plan to, to put about 11 million undocumented Americans um, in, you know, on the path of citizenship in the next eight years. And, Mm -hmm. well, I think it's one of those things that doesn't have the overwhelming, I mean, it has obviously most, you know, most Democrats are in favor of this, obviously. But it's not as universally, it's not, it's not as universally easy as saying, hey, we need to get people coronavirus checks. I mean, even fucking Marco Rubio is like one of the people banging the drum for more money. Um, right. Even people who are, even even lawmakers who are like, who you would think would be on the side of immigration reform are not necessarily banging the drum for full citizenship or, you know, or like amnesty for, you know, certain, for certain legal issues that these that these people have incurred since they've uh, since they've been in the country. I think this is like one of those things that 
this is one of those things that like is going to meet a shit ton of resistance, even if you have a, even if you have a majority, even if you have a, an overwhelming majority in the House and Senate. I just have a feeling that this is one of those things that's going to take a lot of, a lot of handshake deals and a lot of, a lot of key, um, a lot of key uh, pieces of this legislation will end up being taken out of it to at least guarantee some people, which is what's going to end up happening. Only some people are going to be able to seek full citizenship in the United States versus everyone. Right. And I got to tell you, man, like it's immigration is always like a hot button issue. And it's even been more of a hot button issue the last four years with the whole like the, the campaign for the wall. All the Mexicans are rapists. Mexico is going to be paying for the wall. I I kind of feel that like immigration should be kind of like a non-issue and stuff and that this whole thing really shouldn't be that difficult to, to do, but there's just so much resistance to it. And there's this whole thing about like just people's fear of immigration and taking jobs and all this stuff. And like, just there's something about it that it's easier. Even if people aren't afraid of it, it's easy to spin and make it something for people to be afraid of, which mm-hmm. could then be used against the, um, the politicians who, you know, are there for their own interests and stuff. And like, yeah, this is going to be something that um, I, I know just a little bit about it. I know it's one of a few things that he's done so far since he's been in office and everything. And um, it's like one of these deals where like in, in principle, like, I don't think it's, you're giving these people a path to citizenship. These are the type of people that are, they're not going to come in and take, the jobs of people who think that their jobs are going to be taken, you know, and these people are going to live like really, really, really shitty lives. I mean, it's, they're not walking into something that, um, is, is they're not walking into this like paradise. Things are going to be very, very difficult for these people. But however, there's just this whole anti-immigration side that like people, you know, hear it and they just, they, they get all like real, like, you know, their ears start to perk up or whatever. And, Unfortunately, this thing, which I th- I think this sh- this really shouldn't be an issue. Like I think we should have ha- figured out this a long time ago. It's now all of a sudden going to become something that is talked about. That you know is going to like light the Fox News fire, and is going to be rather difficult for him to achieve. Yeah, and it's and it's you know added to it just to you know tie it in with the coronavirus. There are going to be opportunistic. Um, uh, right-wing lawmakers who are going to tie this to uh, Joe Biden wants to give amnesty and citizenship to to all these people who are taking your taking your jobs while there's 40 million real Americans that are out of work, and right. it's it's going to be one of those kind of things uh, for the next several months. So like it, it's he he this plan it's this might be one of those plans that it 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 might. It might sit in legislation for who knows how long, um, and it might be up to the next president to deal with this as a vote. Right. I just going to go ahead and throw this out there. I don't think Joe Biden's going to end up running for a second term. Um, yeah, <laughs> even if he's wildly successful, I don't think he wants to be president when he's like eighty-seven to ninety. Um, no, but yeah, this this is just it's such a big difficult thing. If this with everything else, especially that we have to deal with this is one of those hot button issues that just, it feels like it feels like, God damn, like how, how are you going to get this through when obviously we had the first two issues we talked about? Um, mm-hmm. and then add into it, you have Republicans trying to dismantle Obamacare. Um, the Supreme court is firmly on, on the side of conservatives. So it's, 
there there are a lot of roadblocks facing this. No matter no matter what ends up happening with it, it's got a lot of roadblocks. If it ever gets to uh, to the point of being being made law. Right, right. Let, let me ask you a quick follow-up here, because you brought up something that I've always kind of thought was very interesting, and it's the whole argument of, like, hey, he's giving these people this, but he does he's not doing anything for the 40 million Americans. Like, are we – is everybody going to, like, have a job? Is there, like, this image that these people have where, like, every single person is employed? Because I know it sounds really good, but it, it just when it comes to, like, the practical application of the message – it just doesn't seem to like fit well. You know what I'm saying? It's just always seems like there's, I mean, I hate to say this, but like, isn't there always going to be millions of people like out of work? Like it's, yeah. I, I know it sucks, but I, I just like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what he could do for these people other than pay them not to work, which is pretty much socialism. And like, what's the, what's the answer to that question? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, this is, I, I have this very, I don't know. I don't know exactly what you call it, um, but like this, I have this worldview where there's a role. There, there's a role for everything and every every part in the world. There's mm-hmm. if there was no crime, there would be no cops. If right. there was no while, if there you know if there was no um, unemployment, there'd be no unemployment offices. There'd be no um, there'd be no outreach programs to help unemployed people. Not that anybody wants to be unemployed, but like even even the less desirable things in a society have a role and a reason for being there. Um, obviously right. you want to drive unemployment down as far as you can, but I mean, like, how do you do that? You're right. Like, how do you do that? Especially with where things require more and more skill now than they've ever, ever required. And, or, you know, the low skilled jobs, guess what? Robots are going to be replacing you soon enough. Um, how do you keep everyone employed? I have no idea. Yeah, it's like it just seems like it's one of these kind of um, like like a like a guilty politics type thing or, you know what I'm saying? Like a um, it just seems like it's always this argument that's going to be there, but nobody ever really does it. You know, no one ever fixes this. And it's I kind of think that it's one of these things. It's a little bit unfair at times to keep bringing this up because it's always going to be there. It's like, dude, like you're still singing this tune. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like. And yeah, like there are 40 million Americans that that need they, they need money, they need jobs, they need all this stuff. And like, what is the solution? Like, it's, don't tell me like not like, hey, it's wrong that he's helping people out, but not throw me any possible solution to employ all 40 million of these Americans that you say are more important than the people that are just, you know, getting a pathway to citizenship. It's not like they're getting a house and a car or anything. It's just, hey, by the way, you can be here and not get arrested or not be deported or not be de- you get arrested, but not be deported. Right. Like right away anyway. So I I just think that that's a little unfair on and anybody bringing up that argument for you to bring that up, but never, ever like pitch a solution. You know what I'm saying? It's a cool hot take, but throw me some substance here. You know, it's great. You're able to identify this. A fucking child could identify this. Tell me how you're going to fix it. Well, if they, if they had any plans to fix it, they'd be president. Yeah, that's pretty true. Yeah. If they, yeah. If they actually did fix it, that's probably, that would be somebody that actually, you know, like an FDR type who does like four terms and they amend the constitution, all that stuff. Right. Hey, he, he got, he gave everybody a job. Let's keep him in office. Right. So who do you think from across the aisle is going to end up being Biden's closest ally? Okay. In the beginning, I don't know about this long term. I think it's pretty much impossible to predict the long term, but uh, I think Mitch McConnell is going to kind of 
start to be a little bit more work withable, I guess, and negotiable, whatever you want to call that. Um, I, once again, like, I think that, um, he was one of these people that were shielded by this denial of the, of the, this arm of the party and this disgust and these, you know, stupid idiot infantile patriots or whatever. And, um, I think that, I, I think that he's like, you know, kind of seen, he's had a little bit of an awakening moment, whether, you know, he's still an evil piece of shit. I'm not saying that this guy is anything less than that. But I think that he knows that at least in the short term, the country's got to get things done, because if um, if it does come to people going out and voting and stuff like that, and if, if the, any future elections or if they're going to draw these kinds of numbers in the future, dude, they've got to start doing stuff, dude. Like this whole like the Democrats are losers and hey, all this other, you know, whatever this insult crap, they're still going to be there. But they've now got to work together and he's going to have to start kind of caving. And in the beginning, they're going to be starting to take some some kind of, you know, there's going to be a back and forth. And but I think he's going to do things and do things that he didn't do before to kind of allow the country to start to move forward. And then in two years, I can't say anything beyond that. But in the beginning, I think he's going to be a surprise we're going to see some surprises from him on policies and stuff being brought to the floor, all that kind of shit. I 100% agree with you that Mitch McConnell is is the answer here. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be surprised. I just think that he's looking forward to getting back to doing what he does. Um, getting back to being, obviously he's not going to be the Senate Majority Leader anymore, but, um, you know, now he's the Senate Minority Leader, but being able to get back to actual policy and actual legislation and working with... Look, Mitch McConnell don't like the guy. He's an obstructionist. Um, but now with one of his colleagues, one of his longtime colleagues, now the president, um, someone who you're right isn't an incendiary and isn't going to like make, isn't going to make legislation difficult. I think he's. I think, and I've heard this from you know various news reports. He's sort of looking forward to moving past Trump. And getting to work with a new administration, that there's opportunity mm-hmm. there for him to. It's almost reinvigorating, right? It's it's Tom Brady yeah. going to the fucking Buccaneers, like right. That's right. <laughs> it's it's reinvigorating to be on a to be on a new team and have a new challenge. And I I think that McConnell, you know, like we're not gonna like we're not gonna talk about them being buddies necessarily, but I think that I think you're gonna see I think you're gonna see McConnell as this sort of at least somewhat amenable to, you know, to working with, working with the administration at at the very least his ears will be open. Exactly. And I got to tell you, like at this point, they, that's all they need right now is somebody who's going to listen. It's not like the Trump, which is, Hey, it's closed off. I'm not going to do this. My form of negotiation is you get up and do what I want, or I'm just not going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Like that. It's not how it works. And like, somewhere in that disgusting black and white handed, whatever he's got going on with his hands, somewhere in that body of his, there is somebody who does have an understanding of, of government. You know, he may, it may be warped as hell, <laughs> it may be warped as hell, but um, somewhere in there, this is an experienced politician who has been in Washington, who knows how the system works. And if there's any, if there's ever a point in time, where the system needs to just start working, it's it's now, you know, like, and it's it's not like, 
I, I don't know really how to phrase this because I don't really want to say that like these guys owe the American people something, but I kind of do think that these people like owe us something. It better not be if it's if it's a check, if it's two thousand dollars, which I've seen some really good uh, Joe, where's my money memes already after mm-hmm. thirty six hours. But um, if it's not the money, I think that they owe us at least some resemblance of just working together, getting money for bridges, building a fucking school, whatever it is. We need to see some type of evidence of of the government working together, of not being this irrational, one-sided, crazy person through Twitter version of the American government that we saw. And you know something? It may be one of these things where um, the Democrats don't get 100 percent of everything they want. And I'll tell you, the Republicans, there's going to be plenty of times where they don't get 100 percent of what they want. But it's how they come together in the compromise that can be productive. And like I said, I don't necessarily I hate saying that we that we're owed something because I, I, I don't believe we're actually owed, we're not owed anything by anybody unless mm-hmm. I, I owed you twenty dollars or you owed me twenty dollars. <laughs> That's like kind of the only way you know, the only time I think stuff is actually owed. But um, I think that in some way, shape or form, we are we are owed some level of normalcy is just something not what we saw the last four years. I, I, you, I couldn't say any better. We, we are owed. We are owed what we. How should I say this? We are owed what what has been advertised to us and what we advertise to the rest of the world. That yeah, we can work together. Like that, we can we can our our ongoing experiment in democracy works, and we are owed that promise right now. Yeah, and and dude, like I don't care how many times like Trump goes up in front of like making the State of the Union address where Democrats and Republicans are going to have to come together, and then he goes off the stage, and five minutes later, Nancy Pelosi is the biggest fucking jackass. Sad, you know. It's yeah. That's that's not that's not unity. And that's that plays into this whole like gaslighting shit. And, you know, like when people talk about like, well, he didn't actually say go attack the Capitol, but it's he doesn't have to say it because we know what he means. Right. And any time that he would go up there and preach unity, it comes off as a false message because immediately he's calling the Democrats idiots or they're liars or something. And. It's like, dude, you, you can't do that. You're doing it like within 15 minutes of one another. You know what I'm saying? Like if there's ever a point in time where no one's really going to take you seriously, it's it's this. And and like in doing stuff like that, you know what I mean? There are overabundance of things with this specific person. But it's just I don't know. It's just really easy to lose the public trust when you're constantly like, you know, I know that there's always some elements of flip flopping, but and I don't even really know if this is actually flip-flopping by like the political definition, but there is just something about this inconsistency of messaging that just makes you look illegitimate. It really does. And it's going to be hard for anybody to get beyond that because they know who you really are. It's not one of these where like, Hey, I just got to go up to the public speech and do some words here. Like we know that immediately when you get off, you're going to start up some shit. So it's just the, the message of unity never resonated under this last president. You are, yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely, not, not flip-flopping, but yeah, I, just the inconsistency and, you know, speaking out of both sides of his mouth, it, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. It's like, you see some of these videos and stuff, dude, like, I don't know if you watched, like, one of the last ones is, like, departing ones. 
he was making these like he was getting ready like in his closing lines and he says like he says two things and then he says like supreme he says these like little word drops that are like designed to remind us like yes he did the supreme court at one point in time the economy was good you know what i'm saying without completely ignoring the fact that he threw the country into a hole you know right and so it's just I don't know. It's one of these things where, like, if if Biden goes up there and preaches unity and stuff like that, ten minutes later he's not going. Cut. Mitch McConnell's a fucking hick. He's not doing that. You know, he's not doing any, anything like that. So I think when he goes up there and says, "Hey, you know, we should be a divided country," I believe that he actually believes that. Right. No. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, how will Kamala Harris is how is Kamala Harris going to change the vice presidency? Okay, I'm going to try to phrase this the right way because, okay, just hear me out on this. She right now, if if this whole thing goes great, she can ensure the fact that the vice president is a woman from now until the end of time. And I'm not saying that women can't be president. I'm saying that that could totally happen. But the female president could also have a female vice president. And I, I just think that like if it if this if if they're successful, which I, I wouldn't see why they're not, they're, you know, two really intelligent individuals, you know, this could be a great thing for women that, hey, in 2020, um, you know, 2024, if um, Kamala, you know, gets the, the presidential nomination, she probably will have a female VP. If it's a, if it's a guy who does get the, um, the nomination, it's a pretty good chance that he'll have a, a female vice president. So what she's doing here is like if this is if this is successful, it could set a really, really positive tone as far as advancing women in politics in the future. I, I think, yeah, I think you're you're dead on right with that one. It, it is sort of a um, it's definitely like a, a door opening moment or maybe like a glass ceiling breaking moment for sure. Um, and I think, you know, so for sure, like you're you're dead on there. Um, similar, similarly, you can go ahead and expand that and say, you know, to black women, to South Asian women, to Asian women in general, um, mm-hmm. there's, there's someone who has, you know, reached literally the second highest office in the most powerful country on the planet. Um, you know, there, there's, there is a, there is someone representing you there. And I think, um, I, but I, I think what, I think what is very, what is going to be very interesting about at least what I think is going to end up playing out about this about Biden's administration is that she'll sort of be like, she will be Dick Cheney's good twin. Um, (laughs) Dick Cheney really like did things that no other vice president. He's the most active vice president in the history of American politics. Um, All the things that he did, it was just happened to be underhanded and sneaky. And for the sake of, you know, for the sake of benefiting military contractors and expanding the war in Iraq, um, amongst other things, the, there was there's just a lot of shady stuff that Dick Cheney was involved in. I think the way I, I I have this very strong feeling that the reason why he why Biden ended up one of the reasons why Biden ended up selecting uh, Kamala Harris as his vice president was sort of the one to groom her for the role of president. Um, plus, I, plus I think some of the other options I, I know like. Stacey Abrams is in the mix, but like if Stacey Abrams leaves Georgia, um, you know, 18 months ago, 16 months ago, whenever it was, does Biden win Georgia? Um, no, oh, not at all. Right. So I, so I think that this is one of the selections, like, 
you you take the you take the senator from California, a completely you know who's not doing any of that grassroots work to make sure that you, you're winning in a state, um, and then you you also you're you're also taking someone who has who has like the who has a lot of qualifications to lead and to not that not that any other not that like Hillary Clinton didn't have the qualifications to lead necessarily, but um, someone who is a little bit younger who who has taken on tough jobs before and someone who probably like Dick Cheney was before her will be active in her role as the vice president, not just like Mike Pence walking along behind Trump, just saying the same things, but like in a more, in a more pleasing tone. Right. Right. She does totally give off the vibe of somebody who is going to be involved. And I really, really like that about her. And they could be, she could be a rock star in a couple years. You know what I'm saying? I still think like, I, I know like she, she definitely made a name for herself um, multiple times, like before her selection of being VP, but I still think people don't really know who she is yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, there's just something about like, you know, Midwestern people that aren't going to be paying attention to what the Senator from Oakland, California has to say. So I, I think that like once the public really gets to know her, I, I think they're gonna. They're, people are gonna like fall head over heels for this individual. Like she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, um, if if it comes down to which I, I would, I believe me, if she ran for um, president in twenty twenty four, I I'd vote for her hands down. Like there, there'd be no doubts in my mind whatsoever. But um, like if she's able to get into that, like get into that groove and basically exceed the image of the VP that we've now had from Pence and everything. Um, I, I think that in the future, she could be like a real, like a two term democratic powerhouse, like a female answer to Obama. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, I think you're, yeah, that's a definite possibility, but it is, it is contingent on, upon the Biden presidency being very successful. So yes, let's transition to that question real quick here. Chema four years from now, what do you think is going to be a big indicator of a successful Biden administration? Okay. Like I'm telling you, man, I think that um, if we're able to have life resembling anything, anything better than what we have now, that's a success, man. Like he's coming in, he's, he's inheriting a mess. It's not the, the 2007 housing crisis and all that stuff. And which he got which him and Obama got us through, but um, there is definitely a challenge on his desk, day number one. And I got to tell you, like, if if he gets us through this and, like, in four years, if we're sitting around and it's like, God, man, you remember 2020? Like, doesn't that seem like so long ago? Like, I think that that's going to be a success. And it's um, it's just something small. And believe me, he's going to have obstacles all along the way. I'm not saying that the coronavirus is going to be the only challenge that he faces. But getting us through this, which is by far and away, probably the most difficult challenge that we've faced in, in our lifetimes. I think that's going to carry a long way and he's going to, it's going to be viewed as a success if he's able to just return the country to, to what it was. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty, I think that's a decent marker. Um, I think that's a decent indicator. And, uh, I think a lot of people would just be 1000% fine with that, um, to make it feel like it's like 2014 again. I think right. everyone would be like totally fine with that. God, what a great year, man! Yeah. Mad Max yeah. Fury Road, 
saw I went to Chicago for Riot Fest. Like, man, the, the Cloud Nothings released a great album. It was what a fucking year, bro. Yeah. So I, I think I think you're right with that. Um, as I, as we kind of led into this question with, I think if Kamala Harris is president, I think that's a really good indicator um, that mm-hmm. the previous four years were successful. But I think um, I think in we'll look at um, we'll look at this we'll look at 2022. And if, you know, by 2024, we're talking about how the, the Democrats had not only kept their congressional majority, but also expanded it, then that's a really good indicator that people people bought the Biden administration message, bought the Democratic message, rejected the idiots from QAnon, rejected the idiot Trumpers, rejected all of that stupidity. And that would be like a big hallmark. If, if the last two years of Biden, we talk about how, man, this guy had like... This guy had a massive majority in Congress and was able to push through like a lot of stuff they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Yeah, dude, I really like how you brought up that whole thing about 2022, because usually that is like the the first little bit of um, the first two years when that first election is. That's usually kind of a benchmark for certain things. And I know in the Obama years, he they lost control of the Senate and everything like that, which I don't believe to be a reflection of the state of the country. I view it as a Fox News being really, really Fox News and racism not necessarily being extinguished in this country. But um, I, I think that what you just mentioned there with the Congress is a really, really solid indicator of at least how the second half of the, the Biden administration will go. And I got to tell you, like, that's going to be this is going to be a test for the Democrats, too, because they 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 got control of the the House and they got control of the Senate. And they were got really, really lucky that the Republicans had just a shitty, shitty president in the picture. And um, they're going to need to work extra hard to make sure that they you know, it's one thing to win a championship. It's another thing to defend it. And um, I got to tell you, like, that's this is going to be a challenge to make sure that they hold this majority in both the House and the Senate and to push through these agendas that will benefit the people, even the ones that didn't vote for them. Because whenever the tide turns and the Republican takes power again, they're going to do whatever they can to kick it back to the 50s. That's going to happen every goddamn time. It's not like the not like any of these Republicans are going in there with any forward thinking ideas and stuff. So they're going to have to do whatever they can to hold on, hold on to the majority work, whether it's working with the Republicans to get stuff done, cleansing the country of Donald Trump, whatever they need to do. But I'm telling you, there's, there's definitely some things on the table that they're going to have to address even outside of like normal policy and government stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. That's for sure. Um, Chema, I have no more questions for you. Do you have any final thoughts here before we wrap up? Just, I think I'm good on, uh, the, on politics for a while, man. Like I, um, obviously like it's going to be something that you and I, you and I talk about like online or off air and probably like little snippets and stuff into the podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to a, um, a, a little bit of time where, I don't have to follow it as much, you know, maybe who knows, maybe I'll end up becoming really, really good at some weird random hobby because I now just have all this time where I'm not checking Twitter or whatever. But uh, yeah, man, I, I am kind of looking forward to um, these years ahead of, you know, hopefully cleansing ourselves from what we were just a part of for the last four years. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you that it's just, this is for the first time in a long time. I'm not, 
I'm not like dreading the political news. Like I'm right. not thinking like like I, I have no fear that like I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and like Joe Biden has ordered the extermination of everyone in the state of Iowa. Whereas yep. like there is at least some possibility that could happen under the under the Trump administration. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's you're right, man. It's weird to think that even extreme stuff like that is in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean it's not, but it kind of is. Um, it, it's just <laughs> like, but like there's there's no like I, I know that I'm I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. And the most ridiculous thing on Twitter is not going to be said by the president of the United States. Right. That's very true. Yes, that is very true. And this could this actually could make your job um, a little easier at times. You know, I'm still there. There's still going to be days where the Internet blows up and everything. But um, at least you won't have to be looking up this stuff and constantly like having to research all the, the right wing and see Fox news articles all the time oh God, yeah, blowing up in your face. It's awful. Yeah. So it should be a, it's definitely so some relief for you on the, on the job front. Yeah, for sure. All right, chum. I don't have anything else. You want to lead us out of here? Yes, you bet. I will dude. everybody out there. Thank you very much for uh, tuning into this installment of the occasionalist podcast. My name is Adam Chemilewski, Matthew Pagel. Uh, we're signing off here and we will see you next time. Thank you very much.